hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Joe and Sai, Joe and Sai, riding through the glen. Joe and Sai, Joe and Sai, with their band of men. Stop it. Spreading the word to fans far and wide. Joe and Sai, Joe and Sai, Joe and Sai. Sai and Joe, Sai and Joe could be in a bind. Sai and Joe, Sai and Joe think Fraser's lost his mind. Should they discuss Robot of Sherwood? Course they should. Course they should. Course they should. Welcome, one and all, to A Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast that robs from the rich to give to the poor. I'm your host for this evening, Fraser Tuck. Thank you for joining me in my ancestral home, the Sycamore Gap, just on the border of my lands of Nottingham, where we will be discussing the Series 8 episode, Robot of Sherwood. Obviously, I can't do this alone. I do need some of my merry men with me. So I will introduce, first of all, um, the leader of the gang, the man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. Um, the heart and soul of Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the one that's brought us all together is the Ham Farm. He's the man that puts the wood into Sherwood. <laughs> it's all the men merry. Bill <clears throat> Scarlet, it is Little Joe. Say hello, Little Joe. Hello. It's all downhill from... We can't offer anything better than this. It's all downhill from here, I'm afraid. Hello! I'm Rounding off our merry trio. I've got my quiver in my hands and I'm going to fire it across the forest. Woo! Joe actually said he wasn't going to say anything smutty this evening. I wasn't smutty. <laughs> it was an arrow. It was an arrow. Yeah. Rounding off um, our merry trio then is everyone's favourite bard and poet. The man with the tail for every occasion. It's Simon Adele. Everything he does, he does it for you. Say hi, Simon. <laughs> Hello. Do you know, right. do you know, my, one of my very first acting jobs when I was at school was playing Little John in, mm -hmm. in our play of Robin Hood. And I, was, I had to play Little John because I was the tallest boy in the school. So it was typecasting, really. And we we're doing the big fight where Little John and Robin Hood have the big star fights. And we're on the little bench that you have for PE because we're up on the river having our fight and we have the fight and I knock him off, knock Robin Hood off, who's played by Ben Smith. Oh, this is good. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm remembering all of this. And, um, and he turns to me and he says, this is the famous line where he says, I think I'll call you little John little. I think I'll call you little John. <laughs> and he says, John little, I think I'll call you Robin Hood. <laughs> and then I just froze because I didn't get my cue. And, and my mum and dad are just in the audience laughing and everyone is laughing. <laughs> so there we go. That's my tale of youth for this episode. There because we go. I have nothing else to say about this story. Well, well, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because we've watched this one in preparation. Me have. and you and me. Me yeah. and little Joe have, yes. Um, Excuse but... me. I, I object to the nickname Little Joe, all right? For many this reasons. Is where, <laughs> this is where you usually come in and say, oh, plenty of men have called me that before. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. No. <laughs> Off you go. Yeah. Yeah. So we've watched this, haven't we, Joe? We mm. watched in preparation. But say, you, when was the last time you watched this episode? Well, I was trying to think. And I have a feeling that the last time I watched this was when I was staying in a youth hostel in Wales just after I'd been to festival number six in Port Merion um, on the iPlayer two days after it was originally broadcast. And I'm not sure <laughs> I've actually watched it since. Wow. You didn't watch mm. this live? No, I was at a festival. So I was, was dancing and drinking beer and being cold. Probably to Beck or someone like that, I think, that night. Maybe we could just spend the next hour listening to your stories about festival, because I bet they're really mm -hmm. interesting. Oh, there was this brilliant <laughs> procession. <Yeah. laughs> 
So, so why is it that you've not watched it again? Well, then? the fact is that this is not my this is not my era, and mm -hmm. this is and I was so put off by Peter Capaldi in this episode, dowsing on everyone else's fun and being miserable and grumpy that I just felt, do you know what? I don't need to see this one again. And there aren't many Doctor Who stories that I've said that about, but they're all from this era. <laughs> yeah. And Planet of Evil and the Reign of Terror. You know, it is interesting because when I rewatched this yesterday, and I've said to both of you off camera, this actually went up in my estimation watching this again. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things I object about in this era, <clears throat> um, Clara, for one, who I thought was actually delightful in this and written very gently with a lot of humour and excitement and exuberance. Um, and she's just not cocky like she normally is. I've just found her very, very likeable. And I thought, you know, even though the episode does devolve into sci-fi bollocks at the end, I mean, it is a load of old drivel, but come the end. Um, I still agree with you, though. I still think Capaldi is the one sticking point in this. And he, there are moments where he's funny because he's just a really good actor. So he is funny with the lines he's given. But there's bits where he's like, oh, don't do laughter. And he's in the cell going, Argh! I'm just like, oh, man. Or he's walking around, everyone's having fun, laughing and singing. And he's there going, this ain't real, this ain't real. And I'm like, man, it's just someone giving the fucking memo. This is supposed to be fun. You know, <laughs> like... So funny though, because I think Peter Capaldi is really funny in this. I think he is. This is him being written correct for the first time. I think, you know, I, I, I listened to you guys doing the pilot, and I remember saying, mm -hmm. saying, you know, how you don't didn't think that Peter Capaldi was written right in this series. Is that right? Yeah, this series and very much, yeah, and a lot of the following yeah. series as well. And I think certainly in this series, my the impression I get is that he is being written. You know, people know that Peter Capaldi is coming in and being Doctor Who, and they are writing for Peter Capaldi's Doctor Who, but they can't get out of their head the character that he's most famous for at that point in time, which Malcolm is Malcolm Tucker, Tucker mm. from the thick of it. So the brash, arrogant, really acerbic Scotsman, and that really comes across in a lot of the writing. You know, he's very... Um, what's the word for it? He's brusque. Like, yeah, yeah, and you know, he, he's unlikable. Yeah, he's he all but going. You know, you fucking Daleks. You know, and swearing his head off just like Michael Tucker. Do you know what though? I'm going to contradict you a second, Fraser, because I actually this is my favourite Capaldi season, season season eight, in terms of storytelling and in terms of his characterisation. I just don't like him in this story. I think this story, there's a weird juxtaposition of light and airy and his black cloud. Whereas stories like Listen, like Dark Water, um, Mummy on the Orient Express, Flatline, like there's some bloody good episodes in this series. And I, some... I, I like the fact that he's a grumpy bugger. Like I don't object to that. I love Colin Baker as a doctor in season 22 as well. I like the fact <clears throat> that he says things like, oh, if you want to chat to that guy who's just died, he's the top, top layer over there. You know, it's dark and it's it's a bit nasty, but I don't mind feeling uncomfortable watching Doctor Who. It's a, that was that lane is the point where my wife stopped watching. Oh, really? Wow. That is the exact point when, um, <clears throat> you know, my wife. I think I might have told this story when we did the eleventh hour, but I'd watched every single episode of the um, Chris Eccleston and David Tennant series up one one a day up to the point where um, the eleventh hour was going to start on the Saturday and I'd watch the entertainment party on the Good Friday and 11th hour started on the Saturday. Whilst I was doing that, my wife Bianca got involved, you know, so she was just kind of having to sit and watch it. And so she got into Doctor Who. So she, by the time the 11th hour came along, she actually was quite happy to sit. I went weekly and watch all of Matt Smith's wow. um, series with me. She wasn't quite as happy to dress up as Tom Baker and go <laughs> to the cinema to see Dave the Doctor with us. But you know, she was quite happy to sit and watch the Christmas special, everything. So she gave Capaldi a chance. She watched Deep Breath. And it was literally that point in Into the Dalek where she just sat and went, nah, this isn't for me, not for me anymore. And she didn't watch again until Jodie. So, you know, it's, it's, it just shows you that, you know, it's different people's takes on 
or Peter Capodio or are different and you know people enjoy different things I mean like I say you guys have both said you don't quite think that a grumpy old man is funny in this story well the I'm willing to I can be proved that, wrong I the can... only thing I can say to that is I don't believe it <laughs> in the name of sanity what in the name of bloody hell are you talking about Fraser you know the best thing about Capaldi is yeah is essentially you've got three versions in three different seasons you've got you know grumpy arsehole in series eight you've got the midlife crisis Capaldi in season nine and then, and then lovely the Capaldi oh he's so nice isn't he which makes it very strange when he tries to make Bill shoot him that's very odd isn't it Anyway. This is the story that I think gets it right. This is the story that writes him, you know, moves away from thinking he's Malcolm Tucker and gets and writes an actual story for what Peter Capaldi can do as a as an actor, as a comedy actor. Um, so, well, you know, how much... And you can prove to us how he's doing yeah. that. Yeah, I'll just sit here and just laugh my way through it. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> So I look so unconvinced right now. And you know what? It's so weird because I'm so used to him being the, the one who... Um... Oh. I'm rarely the voice of reason. <laughs> so, like I say, we prepared for this one. Me and little Joe did. Simon Adele didn't. Um, so part of the preparation was I went out on Twitter to canvas opinion on this episode. Um, it's a little bit mixed. It's a little bit mixed. I've got um, Andy Parkinson friend of the podcast saying it's a good cure for insomnia um, <laughs> you know i've always said he's a man of great intellect and okay. i've told him he's getting a dunking in the river for that later on um daniel oh. knight um Man, that was a great oh. Go on. uh daniel knight is um listing the positives of ben miller good fun <laughs> it's the sheriff and jenna looking pretty and i made marion costume um, negatives both the doctor and robin are insufferable and unfunny i think that's just an autocorrect on his phone plus the end of the arrow is absolute twaddle well obviously we'll talk about that when we get to it um dave rennie another friend of the podcast oh dear the ending is pathetic with the arrow the doctor is just unlikable again that's another autocorrect from hilarious on the plus side i like robin and the sheriff i just don't think it's gatus's best work and clara's just clara for me um <laughs> Um, got an interesting one from Steve Alexander. Bollocks of shit would more like. I guess everything <laughs> that's going to happen in it from the title, except how awful it's going to be. No um, wonder I've had him on so many times, honestly. I mean, the only thing I can say to that, Steve, is, is don't watch The Tower in Inferno or <laughs> Snakes on a Plane or anything like that. Um, he does then go on to say it's not all bad, though. I just can't remember what was the good good about it right now stay tuned you're about to find out <laughs> on the plus side though um again mark mcmanus has said lovely story humor daring do and the stuff about the power of stories and legends ties in with series eight's wider concerns about the doctor being a good man oh mark mcmanus just loves everything with the 12th doctor in it all right he's a, such an advocate for this era don't you pull him out of your bag of tricks all right well and and fraser tagged him to get a really positive comment yeah, well, about I bet he did. He, well. Knew. Yeah. he knew yeah he knew what I, he was doing yeah. i tagged in bollocks of shitwood too so <laughs> <laughs> you know i went for balance there um I've got a one from um, an at memento underscore Murray, which is a fun, likeable episode with nice comic performances and a twist on both the historical celebrity and Dr. Debunk something formats. Granted, Clara being that much into Robin Hood comes from nowhere, but it surprises me that anyone would genuinely dislike this episode. Um, John at Ice Tombs of Telos. It's a bit of light fun. I quite like the interaction between Capaldi's still fairly new, very irritable Doctor and Robin Hood. Um, Thomas Hines, this is one of my favourite stories from the 12th Doctor era, Peter Capaldi and the cast are amazing in it, so yeah there's a bit of balance, a bit of balance there um, I mean no one's saying it's a classic are they thank god, no no. <laughs> no, some people are saying it's it's the worst thing ever but again I think it's, those it's are just not, typos, it's, typos. it's like anything no Doctor Who story is irredeemable, is it oh 
I don't know. There's always going to be something good to find in any story of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Well, you just might have to do a little bit of work to find it, but it is there. Let's find out, shall we? Right, so I have staked my reputation on being able to convince you guys and people at home that this is a really good, entertaining, funny episode of Doctor Who. So shall we make a start? Okay, in five, four, three, two, one. Ye oldie play. Oh, <laughs> God's face. Thanks, <laughs> uh, honestly. You have your own podcast. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Hood. how short his hair is when <laughs> I go back to this era. <laughs> I like it, you know. Yeah. It went a bit John Pertwee season 11, didn't it? In, uh... It certainly did. Do you, think, do you think there's a lot of parallels between Peter Capaldi and John Pertwee? Yes. There's a lot of parallels between Peter Capaldi and Colin Baker in this season. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the pair of them, there's do start off quite abrupt and a little bit unlikable and don't treat the companions perhaps the best way but soften as they go along don't treat him in the best way he ducks out of kill the moon doesn't he and leaves her to it that's a interesting story that one i think um that's that's the whole point of the story is that putting her in that position where she's going to have to make the decision about the saving the earth rather than him i that last scene where she calls him out in the tardis and killed him i know sorry i'm going on to another episode already <laughs> it's terrific it's so good he really needed that as well yeah isn't it delightful wow i'm gonna say something nice about clara isn't it delightful how excited she is she's like a little girl here who's mad <laughs> for fairy stories um and you know myths and legends and it's just like well I, you know i've got the opportunity to go and see anyone and anything i mean this is the season where they go to the bloody afterlife for god's sakes the tardis can literally go anywhere um and she wants to see robin hood i think that's just really delightful. i wish she'd been like this more often mm. me yeah. too but that's, that's a beautiful shot there from yep, that was yeah, up on the TARDIS. water. Yeah, the the the, 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 oh, the oh, I moved on to a different scene. Sorry, <laughs> Frank. Oh, look at yeah. him. There's no such thing as Robin Hood. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> Straight away. But it's just. Uh, like, do you know what this is? This reminds me of. Um, star trek lower decks and do you know why because they do these episodes where they lean into every single cliche of star trek to try and explain something that's going on in the episode yeah he, he does that in this doesn't he he's like well you must be a figment of our imagination. you must be a construct you must be an android he's like any reason at all he can find that robin hood isn't real and i think isn't it in the conclusion that he just always was real yes from what i remember <laughs> I am going to say something controversial now, though. Oh my okay. god! If you start criticizing it, and I'm saying nice things, no, no, I, I, I like those um, credits. I like that music. Oh, Frank. I like the credits. I just can't stand the music. <laughs> I like it's like a the... rubbish version of the theme. I've heard worse. So the Doctor is about to demonstrate his remarkable ability to have a sword fight with, with a spoon. spoon. <laughs> How can you not think that's funny having a sword fight with a spoon? Look at that camera angle by the water with them both it's either side isn't it? yeah. uh, It's nicely directed. Yeah, this is really well directed. And um, because I promised to um, sheath myself for this episode, I will merely say that Robin Hood is a very handsome man. Yes, and is. Clara looks beautiful in her in her oh. beautiful red frock. Would okay, I'm going to give it that. Do you remember when they put her in red in Journey to the Center of the Tardis? That is a colour that just suits her beauty. Yeah, yeah and in Asylum of the Daleks mm. as yes. well, when she's... Yep. Yeah. Oswin. <laughs> Are there any more? All the best people <laughs> look good in red. Aye. So who's the so, guy who plays Robin Hood? Good question. Oh. That is a good question, and I don't know the answer because <laughs> I've only seen this episode once. But he's very good. He's incredibly charismatic in the role. I think. Yes, 
like it's a role that could have been super annoying and yeah you, know, you need a, a a certain kind of actor to pull pull this off i think it is tom riley tom riley oh, what else has he done Fraser? anything interesting oh let's have a quick look he was in ghost light which is a film and not a doctor who oh no i was getting very excited um, then centrinians 2 the legend of fritton's gold Oh, okay. So he's done. There's a films. He's been in Casualty along with everyone else. He's been in a Poirot. Um, oh, okay, so he's had work. Number he's nine. Work. Yeah, he's done all right, hasn't he? Yeah. This might be his most prolific role to date. Then, yeah, his, sorry, his most you know exciting role. And this is a very well shot fight as well, as well as being actually really funny because it's a man with a spoon beating Robin Hood. It's well choreographed and well. This is an together. episode. I'll tell you what. That's full of beautiful images i mean when i was watching this yesterday on my new hd monitor it was like the beautiful pictures were coming at me and, and no it was a feast for my eyes and it's very colorful as well this is a really dark season you know a lot of this season's in shadows and darkness and this is just full of brightness and loveliness you know <laughs> yeah because this series is moffat's um horror story hangover Oh, horror. horror story. <laughs> okay. Because if you think like series five, it's like a fairy tale, isn't it? That's the theme of that series mm -hmm. is a fairy tale. Series eight, it's a horror. It's a horror <laughs> story. It's it's got haunted houses, it's got ghosts, it's got spiders, it's got mummies, it's got zombies. It's all horror elements, which makes it all the more surprising that Mark Gatiss has written the funny one. Because Mark Gatiss is a renowned horror aficionado, isn't he? So he is, he is. And I said to you yesterday, it's very odd, isn't it, that Mark Gatiss, who I think is a proven good writer, just doesn't seem to be able to, as a whole, write very good Doctor Who. He's very good at pastiching other things in his Doctor Who stories, mostly other Doctor Who stories, I think. Yeah. And I don't think that always works... Uh, to his benefit uh, we've got ben miller on screen here looking very like anthony ainley yes <laughs> isn't he i think he really does that uh, that was one of my takeaways from this episode the first time around i think he gives a good performance doesn't you know he what? he is fine don't you think that would be the best postmodern twist they ever could have done i am not ben miller i'm anthony ainley <laughs> <laughs> he pulls off his beard and underneath his beard is a smaller mm -hmm. beard that was <laughs> oh my god oh, they've found great good. locations haven't they the yeah. location work looks beautiful yeah 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 and it's just the sun's out you know they're having fun mm -hmm. it's it's very refreshing and you know into the dalek was super grim wasn't it yeah Full yes of murder and explosions and you know psychological probing and, <laughs> and then you've got listen the other side haven't you which is about as dark as docs whoever gets yeah creatures under the bed and you could say there's the door at the end of time. A fair amount of confidence having this between those two episodes, you know. It but maybe needed. you need a little bit of levity every so often. Yeah. And I think certainly after that road, the first two of Deep Breath and Into the Dalek, you needed this episode right here to show you that actually, yeah, this isn't that's not what it's gonna be like the whole time. We are gonna be, you know, trying to have a laugh and light and dark. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because time heist came thing. next didn't it and time heist has its moments but it is i think it's pretty light overall isn't it it's yeah crazy. it's still very very grim at points isn't it with the, the teller sucking people's brains out through a straw and... do you know that's ian hallard there you know mark that Gates is partner yeah. oh, i've got a sneeze coming sorry nepotism sorry <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> well i to give him his due He's waited eight seasons of Doctor Who to get a role. <laughs> now, look here. He turned up in Invaders from Mars, the big finish that Mark Gatiss wrote as well. Oh, that was yeah. dreadful. Yeah, I know. Actually, but he was also in Prime Evil. Actually, he's done a few bits of Doctor Who bits, actually. But... Yeah, he was on the Green Death extras in a thing written by Mark Gatiss. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can't find work for the guy that you're... Oh, no, I'm not going to say that. For the guy that you're in a relationship with, then... God, this is hard. Being, this is hard. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I can. You're right, Joe. He is really handsome. He's a very, he? very pretty man. Yeah, very mm -hmm. pretty. Um, I'm going to say something quite controversial then, which neither one of you is going to agree with, and I'm pleased because it's nice to have a 
conflicting of view. I think I prefer series eight of Doctor Who, the new series, to series five. And in fact, I think series eight is my favorite Stephen Moffat year. What? Yes, it's true. I think that the you always have to be be what? contrary with everyone, don't the, you? The lows in season eight are way higher than the lows in series five. And no. the highs in series is the highs in series eight, I think personally, are higher. I think um flatline is just extraordinarily good. I, I think, think Flatline is the greatest Peter Capaldi episode of all. Wow. So there we go. There we go. Mummy on the Orient Express is incredibly it's, good. It's very close to, to Flatline as being the greatest episode of the Peter Capaldi era. I think Lisa is terrific. And I'm, adding, I'm including Last Christmas in Series 8 as well, because Last Christmas mm -hmm. is absolutely the coda of Series 8. And Last Christmas is yes. my favourite Christmas mm -hmm. special. Last Christmas shits all over a Christmas carol. I'm sorry. I know I'm being contrary. I don't care. But that's fine. I like Last Christmas, but... It's not a Christmas. Christmas Carol is my favourite Christmas special. So Christmas Carol is the most morally corrupt episode of Doctor Who ever written. He's playing yes, God, telling but you. it's still brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to Robot Sherwood. Robot Sherwood. So obviously, talking about nepotism there, and so he made the very good point that Ian Hallard has had to wait eight series to get his um, his moment starring in his husband's episode of Doctor Who. Yes. Because Mark Gatiss has written a lot of Doctor Who on the television, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he, yeah. he's back after a bit of a break, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's written pretty much in every series. Well, let's, he had, let's, had do a, let's do it. He let's didn't have... He didn't write in three and four. Oh, that's probably what he did. The Unquiet Dead. Unquiet Dead. The... Idiot's Lantern. Yep. Then he comes back... Next. He was the in the, of the Daleks. Yeah. Was he in Lazarus Experiment? Or? He was in the Lazarus Experiment, yes. but he didn't so write it. He yeah. didn't write mm -hmm. it. Series four. No. 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 And then he does Victory of the Daleks. Yeah. And then he does Night does? Terrors. Oh, Night Terrors. Christ. Night Terrors. Crimson oh. Horror. Oh, that's yeah. Not that's not bad, that one. Then he does Cold War. Cold oh. War. Very, he did write Cold War, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Robot Sherwood, then next series he's doing Sleep, Sleep no, no More. And then he does Empress. Yes. And, and then, then he stars in Twice Upon a Time. Yes. That so, is not the most prestigious bunch of Doctor Who episodes, I have to say. So it's it's kind of like he's written... Would I be right in saying he's written more of the new series than anyone bar the showrunners? I think yeah, so, yes. So, yeah. Which then yeah, begs no the question. Else. Which why? then begs the question: Why is Mark Gatiss never considered as a showrunner? He is, you know, prolific writer. He I don't think can, he would do it. I don't think he would do it. I think he I can run a, a series. You know, he's showed that with Sherlock. He showed that with um, League of Gentlemen. You know, he's a bit of a darling with the BBC because he comes out every Christmas with his his ghost stories and whatnot. So, I mean, he, yeah, he might not want to do it, but why do we never talk about him doing it? Because he writes really terrible Doctor Who, that's why. <laughs> what makes it so bad, though? The, that, did you not hear that list of episodes? Victory of the Daleks, <laughs> Cold War, I think... Sleep No More. I mean, Sleep No More is the cure for insomnia. Sleep Forever More, more like it. Uh, the, I, there's a lot of his Who that I, I really quite like. But also, he does a lot of stuff that is just pastiching or bringing elements of other Doctor Who stories into his stories. So when you've got Cold War, for instance, it starts with an ice warrior in a block of ice. Yeah. And then it yeah. defrosts. And then we've seen that. We've seen that. I know that was sort of 40 odd years between it being originally and there. And Victory of the Daleks. The start yeah. is Power of the Daleks. We've seen that. There's no, he's not... He's doing it in a the same thing in a slightly remixed way. And I think a lot of his Doctor Who feels like it's a remix of something else rather than something completely new original. and original. 
which is why I like the Crimson Horror because that feels new and fresh and different and fun. It does, but I don't you think that just devolves into something really terrible in the last 10 minutes, the spaceship going up and... No, because you've got Diana Rick hamming it up. Oh, yeah, so that's fine. So what's her daughter's name? You pathetious hag. <laughs> <laughs> but even the Unquiet Dead is... Hinchcliffe who isn't it it's phantasmagoria which he did for big finish it's yeah. all of those things and it it rarely feels like he's doing anything original no, but do you know what he loves he loves doctor who doesn't he yeah he does and that's who, yeah, that always shows very yeah. Doctor Who-ish. yeah it's kind of sad. i do, do i did quite like this scene you know with all the arrows yeah and when capaldi says later on oh no but wait you know you shot that arrow earlier and he's like oh no I put it at home in device or something. <laughs> Very cheeky. This is, this is a good. I mean, it's doing all the Robin Hood cliches, which is is fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's what you want. You want if you're going to do a Robin Hood story, you want the story of the silver or golden arrow, as it is in this one. So it's slightly different. Yeah, you want bows um, and arrows. You, you want, want merry men. You want. Yeah, you want sword fights. Sword you fighting. Want... People getting knocked in the water. You want yeah, this is and robots. Want, yeah, but like Victory of the Daleks, this is a very sort of I don't know romanticized version of the time, isn't it? This, oh, of course, yeah. It's, but, it's, it's very but, Hollywood of this yeah. era. Yeah, most Robin Hood stories are though. That's the thing. Yeah. So well, there are very few watching... concentrate. You I was watching Robin of Sherwood in preparation for watching this, which is the greatest retelling of the Robin of Robin Hood story ever. Jason Connery, I think second second greatest after Maid Marian and Merry Men. Oh. <laughs> Danny John Jules, yes. Yeah, well, okay, I'll give it that. It's pancake. Sorry, but is that very Hollywoodized? I don't know. No, no, it's dirty. It's grim. So it doesn't have to be then. It doesn't have to be. No, 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 it doesn't. I, it's all wrapped up in very 80s cinematography and lots of filters and but it's it's more a magical there's lots of dark magic and things in it so it, it's doing something different with the myth it's it's a series as well though isn't it yeah yeah it it's was, not yeah. just 45 minutes to tell one particular tale. no no it was a, yeah it's an ongoing yeah I've got a question for both of you then on the subject okay. that we are talking about. And that is like obviously in Chibber's era, the historicals became a lot more serious, a lot more sort of worthy, and a lot more educational as well. Um what's your preference? Do you prefer history that kind of bites from the Chibnall era or sort of Disney history that we're getting here that's all, you know, very cuddly and fun and silly i think there's room for both yeah i there's there are lots of approaches to a story in history and i think doctor who can do them all really well i've and I've, I've think i've said before i really loved the jody historicals really really loved them for doing unexpected historical periods and um things like that so but i mean here we are we're however many years into doctor who history what 50 what are we 51 years of doctor who and they haven't done a robin hood story by this point well, there was one I mean, mooted for the key to time series where robin hood would have been the villain and the sheriff of nottingham was the goodie <laughs> and um they just didn't quite pull it pull it all together but that's that's as close as it's got they did have, well, no, they did have Jason Connery as a hero in Vengeance of Aros. They did, yes, but and but they never got Michael Prade. No, I know. Mm -hmm. I am going to have to just bring her back to the action <laughs> because this scene is just immense. This is okay. This is... It's annoying though, but then Clara goes, "Will you both shut up?" I was like, "Yes, <laughs> go on, Clara." <laughs> Bickering away, it's such toxic masculinity, but it's really just played as a big fat farce. They just make absolute fools of themselves, bickering away at each other, and she's just sitting there, calm as you like. Just, yeah. oh. would you look at the light spilling through that cross it's window? It's beautiful, isn't it? It's stunningly good. Mm -hmm. 
I think I think when I first watched this, I didn't really notice the direction. Uh, oh, the yeah. Direction. Um, so I think it's probably yes, you people out there, worth going back and watching this just to see how pretty it looks. It's it's worth it for this scene because this is just. I'm just laughing. Did she not just say, you, are you both aware that there's no guard out there? <laughs> <laughs> I love this bit where, where she's getting them to explain what the plans are. And it's like, thank you, Prince of Thieves. Last of the time, Lord Silver. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> so you're right. If Clara was written more like this, uh, and I think very often... Gatiss writes the companions in a very generic way. I think Bill in Empress of Mars is as dull as she got. Um, but he got her really right here. Like, like yeah. I think he captured something. And, you know, I, I still think Jenna Coleman is one of the most talented actors to be, to play a companion ever. I think she is, she is a superb actor. She can, she's, up there as in the acting stakes i think with elizabeth sladen at being able to show many aspects of the character at the same time i think she's really good she just doesn't she's just written so inconsistently that you 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 don't pay attention to how brilliant she is because you're dealing with the inconsistencies of the character all the time i think there's a there's a genuine reboot of her character in deep breath like where he actually decided to write her as a character and to give her a substantial background and a personality i think in that first half season she just flounders yeah lot. because she hasn't got anything to grip no. onto i think you know obviously when she's introduced she's introduced as a plot point uh rather than you know, yeah she's history, yeah rather than uh, anything else uh, you know series eight in a tight skirt yeah oh, yeah <laughs> series eight she comes you know is now a character and they have to write her as a character and you know, series nine again. You know, possibly not expecting that to stay on, so they have to have to kind of write her. I mean, I've heard this said before that she is very inconsistent. That you know, that character changes all the time. But I think are we not expecting that? Would we expect her to be the same character with Peter Capaldi as we would with Matt Smith? No, no. You can show different facets of a character from story to story, from doctor to doctor. You don't write them as... I feel like she's written as a different character very often in different episodes. Like, I don't feel there's, there's a consistent through line with, with Clara across Again, if you look at what happens in the series, you know, the arc of the series is not Missy. The arc of the series is not um, Am I a Good Man? Although these are elements... It's Clara of it. and Danny, isn't it? It is. Oh. So Clara goes on a journey with Danny throughout the series so would we really want Clara to be exactly the same after Danny's death as before well no but would we really want her to be the same in series nine having gone through everything in series eight would we want her to be the same character in mummy on the orient express having been through everything in kill the moon we wanted her to leave after Danny died when she was supposed to go so we could have Bill for two seasons and that would have been lovely yes <laughs> there, <laughs> and in fact, shut him up. <laughs> in fact, in series nine, it's very clear that Clara was not supposed to be in that season because she's written out of about four episodes. She's yeah. evil in one of them. I think they wrote that evil subplot for her in Zygons because like, she wasn't supposed to be in that. Um, yeah, if it, she wasn't supposed to be in, there would have been another companion. So she is not having to be added. It's not like Nissa having to go and have a sleep in Kinder. It is, it's true. you know, the and she's very good. She is just she plays evil very well, yeah. as well. She's that. What's her name? Bonnie. She's very. Bonnie. Yeah, she's yeah. very. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm still at it. Oh, you know, in the. Sorry, I'm coming back. To... <laughs> You're as pale as milk. That's the way with the Scots. They don't have enough. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to say something about Silent himself in a minute, and that's really funny as well. Uh, I do like the fact that they're, they're starting to get on, though. They're starting to find a grudging respect for each other. Yeah. But I will say as well, sorry, because um, <laughs> I said I would be quite positive about it. I think I have been, but all the sci-fi stuff is just a load of turt, isn't it? I mean, it is just terrible. We'll ignore that when we have to, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, 
there's plenty of it. It's oh, like, I see. We can just this? ignore that now because because uh, it's not yeah. very good. Oh, I see. <laughs> That's how this works. We're going to play a game at the end, don't we? We will address it oh, properly at the end. Another game. Another game. Mm -hmm. game. But just the, just the, the again the sort of banter between the two here. You know the back and forth between Robin and it's um, fun. It's fun. It is. It's really fun. And yes, he has been a miserable old git, but he's been he funny with it. You know what I mean? Can you imagine? It is funnier than I remember. Can oh. you? Yeah. Hmm, but sorry. actually, since I can't actually hear what's going on <laughs> very well, yeah. it's not a surprise. You're going to have to go back and watch it again because I think. Do you know what? I think I might. I, I probably should have watched it before I did oh, this. Oh, <laughs> now he's All says right, it. all right, you win. Okay. There's this funny bit where they're arguing over the keys and the keys go down the sink and it's... <laughs> it's, it's the, the point is, though, can you imagine David Tennant in this episode? Oh, absolutely. We'd have been insufferable. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been great. What are you talking about? It's Robin Hood. Oh, it's Robin Hood. Oh, I love <laughs> I am would. going to hug you, Robin Hood. <laughs> you Come here. <laughs> and then, then you'd have teeth acting. <laughs> and then you'd have the bit when when he, he says his pictures in the in the spaceship. He, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Robin Hood. Like, oh, not real. <laughs> we, we, we would be, I think, coming at it from this angle of having them actually sparring off against each other. It makes it just more interesting, but also more funny. Well, do you know what, though? I'm going to say something very unlike me. I actually think Matt Smith would do a great job in this episode. I was thinking that, yeah, you, I could, he wouldn't I have been, he would no, obviously no. wouldn't be as grumpy. The, the, the humor no. would not be like the culture shock of, of cheerful and grumpy. But I but, can see him doing the fight yeah, yeah. at the start and is flailing everywhere. Yeah. No, I, I can't see him doing the fight. I think. He wouldn't be grumpy, he'd be sulky. He'd be playing it like a sulky toddler. What, Matt Smith? Yeah. He doesn't sulk. He's he just like a... You know, tigger, if that's, if you had the script, that's how he would play it, I feel. I think he would be to have the sort of... Because what's happening is it's the Doctor's fragile ego. You know, the Doctor has told Clara that Robin Hood isn't real. And he stepped out the TARDIS straight into Robin Hood, so he's wrong. And he can't accept that he's being wrong. Just as much as by the time we get to the end, he can't accept that he's an actual hero, you know, because he's he's that full of self-loathing combined with this massive, fragile ego that, you know, he just can't do any of these things. Matt Smith would have come into this, and the only way that you would have been able to get this sort of, um, you know, um, oh, I'm not going to spar enough with Robin Hood would be for Matt Smith to be sulking. Rather than being actually, you're you're right as well because David Tennant would never accept that anyone would be more mythic and amazing as uh, him. Ex well, exactly. You know, I'm but the again, Tennant would, victorious. What are you? Tennant's, Tennant's doctor would have been all over this, wouldn't he? Would have been, oh yeah, it's great, it's fantastic. And it'll just been sickly. One thing, one Christopher like, Eccleston could have played this very well. Oh, that would have been so yeah. interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so, jo Jodie would just be bouncing around like Tigger. Like she'd be happy. Yeah. she'd be loving it, <laughs> yeah. but she wouldn't be grumpy. Um, and all three of her companions would have been locked up with Robin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one through line through this I really, really like is you know obviously the the, the big mystery is is Robin Hood a, a, a myth or is he actually a person? And I really like at the end where Capaldi's Doctor and Robin Hood both are like, well, we're both myths. Like, let's try and live up to them. Yeah. And they real, they have like a real bonding moment outside the TARDIS. And I'm like, okay, that actual, that piece of writing throughout the episode is leading up to that moment where he yeah. says, I'm not a hero. And he says, no, I'm not a hero either. Yeah. Uh, but if we try really hard, then... There we go. Yeah. No, that's... And that that's fits really with, with the theme for the Doctor for the year, doesn't it, really? Yeah. I think the conclusion yeah. we're drawing really is this isn't as terrible as we remember. No, and that's a good thing. Mm. Which that just means we're halfway through the episode and we're halfway through to this being really good. Yes. 
I mean, I'm even more like with the sound down and talking to you guys, I'm even more aware of just how stunning this looks. There was a yeah, well, it's it all. It's mostly on location, isn't it? From the looks yeah. of it, so that. I think really helps with the car. Oh no! Now I'm not in... sure that spaceship is a location. <laughs> no, I. Yeah. That's beautifully underdesigned, isn't it? <laughs> lucky, honest to God, you see how well Robin Hood's lit there. You are lucky. I'm censoring myself for this episode. All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, what is all these bobbins about spaceships being castles? And oh dear. It's it's got to go somewhere, hasn't it? Nice it's graphics. <laughs> but this is this is the thing. It's you know, the idea is that the the spaceships landed. It's kind of corrupted the surroundings, and you know, has it created the sheriff and Robin Hood to further its own agenda, or are they there and you know taking part of it? It's it's very ambiguous. It's never actually settled one way or the other. Um, in the story whether robin hood's actually real or not or whether he has been created by the robots by the spaceship landing and sort of corrupting the surroundings and the point of the story is that it doesn't matter whether he's real or not it's yeah which it's, i do it's... i do like that i just think i just feel like this science fiction gubbins just gets it's... in way of what's a really fun romp it's it's a science fiction story though, so it's got to be. It's uh -huh, that's Patrick Troughton. <laughs> oh yeah, that's cute. That's really yes. cute. But you know what? Like, it doesn't have to be like like they. You know, they always have science fiction intrude on these uh, historical. Actually, Demons of the Pun Demons of the Punjabs exactly yeah, the same. It's oh like... yeah, it's got yeah, aliens, and... isn't it? Yeah, and this is, aliens, this is the but... thing they can't quite bring themselves ever to do, to do a historical. Uh, a historical there's always got to be some sci-fi you need the sci-fi in this one to have that you know central theme of you know is robin yeah. hood real you know is he a real hero or is he a made-up hero is the doctor there, a real there hero was robin hood from maid marion there as well hey. <laughs> yes <laughs> But my issue is, is the science fiction is just a bit dull. That's all. It's just not as fun as the rest of it. It's 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 a MacGuffin at the it's end of the day. It's, it's it? there. It's there to do a job. You know, it's it's not what we're. It's like the moon and kill the moon. It's not what we should really be paying attention to. We should be paying attention to. You know the characters. Uh, but there are, I I guess for some kids, there's always that Robin Hood versus robots yeah. fighting. Yeah, that's true. That is, true. you know, yeah. But like, you know, I'd kind of make an argument and say this is very new series and it's, it's extremely pretty, but it's a little bit creatively bereft. Whereas I'd say with the, you know, the classic series that we know and love was very often creatively exciting if, you know, in terms of production values, a bit dull. And we've kind of gone, we've, we're swinging in the other direction now, you know? Yes, I think, you know, we need to, you know, bear in mind that classic series was four episodes so over four weeks rather than one you know big chunk in one go you know you haven't a kind of do you know one story a time you know you haven't got that luxury of being able to set up in episode one your surroundings you know if this was a classic series you know you'd probably have it would be know, much better you know you, you could take yeah, your time so with episode you one you haven't got the room to breathe yeah you know romana romana we seem to be in sherwood forest <laughs> oh come big... off it doctor robin hood is a mythological creation <laughs> k9 is robin hood real insufficient data master <laughs> and then you can data you could really have the master be the sheriff of Nottingham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my dear doctor. <laughs> I'm sorry, Fraser. Don't tell me that ain't automatic. We've, we've just in five seconds done an automatically better story than this. <laughs> in four episodes, yeah. That's the point. You know, we haven't got four episodes. We're having to just do a big one-shot blast of, of Robin Hood. So with some sci-fi so they are going to be you, you know tropes in there this, would you want 90 minutes of this yeah, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. you're asking fraser <laughs> you're a braver man than me <laughs> <laughs> yeah if this was a you know a, 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 a like a, a davison or a 
Tom Baker story, then yeah, you would split it over the you know the, the four episodes, and it would probably be just as entertaining, if not a little bit more, because you've got that those themes of is he real, who's a hero, that sort of thing can be really explored and played out. Now, I think that's a stunningly intelligent point you just made. However, I would also like to tell the listeners that you do, in fact, champion the Space Museum and the Dominators as well. Thank you very much. That doesn't mean he can't make good points. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so judgmental, Joe. Oh, You're saying that as if I haven't made very good points about those. You have. Well, now, to be fair, you drove up Moscow or the Dominators, so... There we go. Hi. Who's this woman? Is that Maid Marion? Yes. That's the is. woman from the village at the start. Ah, okay. Who was taken yes. prisoner by the sheriff. Look, look, I know the plot, and I've only seen this <laughs> once before. Oh, it's so funny. That, that's right. That's because you're watching, because we're talking and you're watching. I can see you're watching because you haven't watched this and you're really engrossing it and really enjoying it. And you're loving all it. The, as going all along. the laser beams bounce off the trays, don't they? Yeah. And that was like, really good. Yeah, but then all the bloody beams hit the robot at the same time. It's just like the end of the, of the time war, isn't it? No new ideas. Gallifrey vanishes and all the Daleks. What Rusty Davis said about that is so funny. It's like, oh, what? Just so happens that every single Dalek ship hit every other Dalek ship when Gallifrey disappeared. Well, that's a bit of a coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> or that's why you had Daleks left over for Dalek Russell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fraser taken on Rusty Davis. Good grief. You've come a long way, you know, from your humble beginnings in the Space Museum. <laughs> okay, what's occurring now? Oh, hang on. Wasn't there a sequence, right, that was edited out of this where someone got... Yeah, bitten? there was a decapitation, yes, wasn't there? there was. Yeah, what, what happened? The reason was there was a gentleman, I believe, called Kenneth Bigley, who was took hostage in Iraq. Um, he oh, was... Okay. He was there for quite some time and it was quite a um, a big thing in the press as to what was going to happen to him. And I think the week that this was due to come out, they actually beheaded him, unfortunately. So so, so they had to, what, re-edit this the week it was coming out? Yeah. yeah, Because yeah. he falls into the vat of stuff, doesn't he, and turns yeah. into gold. So I did they have to do that, that, like, in a day or two? I think the, the initial end, end to the sheriff was that he was going to be you know he come he's falling the vat maybe and his head would come off but and he would be, be a robot but that's obviously a little, that's a little violent for children isn't it it's it's make-believe though isn't it but obviously on the grounds of of, of taste and decency Paste. that was that was edited yeah. out and hasn't mm -hmm. been re-edited back in I'm just going to do a quick seance. Um, um, um. To me, I think it's brilliant. It's amazing that people with such brilliance couldn't have extended their awareness. Mary Whitehouse, go away. Go back. <laughs> we don't want your opinion on New Who. Honestly, she would have been frowning a lot at New Who, I think. Probably the snogging, actually, more than the monsters. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, I love this as they go flying down. Bit of hero. Yeah, that's what you. Yeah. There's Mark Staring do for you. So, one thing I don't think we've talked enough about is, is actually Ben Miller in this because <laughs> said he's um, very Anthony in this. He's given a really, really good performance as, as the sheriff because you can't have Robin Hood without the sheriff, can you? No, and you can't, you can't have a good Robin Hood without having a good Sheriff of Nottingham. So. No, and you can't underplay the Sheriff of Nottingham. No. Where would you rate this performance of the Sheriff sort of between Tony Robinson and Alan Rickman? Oh. And he's not Nicholas Grace. Those two are so <laughs> memorable, aren't they? And this is just a bit of minutiae. Um, it is, but he's, he's absolutely all in the role, isn't he? He's... Yeah, he really I mean, him, him and Tom Radio are actually both owning the respective roles of Robin Hood and the Sheriff. Yeah, I feel. I think. I wish to re publicly recant something that I have thrown at the Stephen Moffat era many times because it is not true of this episode. We are, in fact, not wasting the guest actors for once. No, we're not. <laughs> we're giving what? them a good role. 
the actually getting getting everything on. And you know, he has the um, he has Chekhov's dancey thing. Dancey thing. <laughs> the, the, the trick that the doctor defeats Robin with is the trick that Robin defeats the oh, the sheriff with at the start. Oh, that's that looks like. And a, down he goes. Funny. Yes. That's how um, Daenerys Targaryen's brother goes. You know, old uh, Harry Lloyd. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. covered in gold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was obviously a bit more graphic. We saw it all because it was Game of Thrones, but we do see. Right, it. and that's the end of the episode. Then, so nothing else to talk about. Um, should we just wrap up now? What are you talking about? Yeah. That stupid fucking bit with the arrow. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. This is my biggest. <laughs> right. So. That's a better castle going up than um, Time Warrior, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we know this this ending is there's no denying it's it's a load of old bobbins, isn't it? So, but yeah, we're basically gonna, we're going to play a game now. I think if you which... look up bobbins in the dictionary, you know you're going to see a picture of that arrow in a spaceship. <laughs> right, the game is called Golden Bollocks. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. I'm going to give you some endings of Doctor Who stories, and you've got to tell me if they're golden, i.e. better than this ending, or bollocks. Oh, you must have, you, I in. hope you chose some <laughs> bloody shit ones then, because this is pretty bad. Go on. Okay, okay so... The radio waves take seven minutes to travel from Mars. The Doctor has enough time to jump in the TARDIS, go back, change the end of the time tunnel, and send Sutek into the future. Shit. You can't is that golden bollocks? You can't. I hate that ending. So is that I golden hate side? The ending of Pir- no, that's bollocks. <laughs> yeah, bollocks, right? that's bollocks. That's okay, so a neutron star is heading towards the planet. So the giant space scrotum flies into space, spins a lightweight metal around it, which allows the doctor to deflect it away from its current course. Is that golden or is that bollocks? That's golden. golden. <laughs> It's a terrible ending. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible ending. David Fisher went to speak to university scientists to make sure that that could be, that would be a good ending. Come on, bring it on. Do you know what he's doing? He's just doing this to distract us while it's on so we don't talk (laughs) about this stupid fucking ending. God, what else you you got? (laughs) Um... The Doctor takes control of Chameleon, and Chameleon becomes a companion. Rubbish. Bollocks. <laughs> um, the Doctor... It doesn't also... so much as end as stop that story. <laughs> the Doctor opens a space portal which sucks in all the enemies that he wants sucking in and leaves anything else that's been touched by Artron Energy that he doesn't want sucking in. What's that? That's the end of Doomsday. Oh, it is. golden. <laughs> I love Sorry. it. I mean, when you describe it like that, Fraser, <laughs> it's golden. <laughs> what about this one, then? The Doctor throws a jar of acid in the face of his villain and loads of snot comes out his nose. No. That's bollocks. That's a twin dilemma. Mm-hmm. Um, the Doctor is Jesus. Oh, golden. Always bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Doctor as a myth. Now, we could go yeah. with that. Look here, yeah. Grace Gregory. That was well deflected there. Well deflected. Because the point is, it's a it's a not a very strong ending to the story, but there are other stories that we think very highly of, which end also on a very questionable note. Would you know, I'm going to say something else controversial in this episode. If you go and look at the Hinchcliffe era, I don't think there's there's a single story that has a satisfying conclusion. You know, they're all pretty shit in one way or another, either logically, you know, like dramatically, structurally. They basically all they, uh, lots of stories oh. end with a big explosion that just sorts everything out. Lots and lots of stories. I mean, the Pertwee era is especially guilty of that, isn't it? Yeah, <clears throat> it's the mushroom. Oh, I can't see that. Green Death's brilliant. It's a great ending. Oh, Green Death. That's got a terrific ending. I've just been watching that today. Mm-hmm. Serendipity. Actually, this is a really nice scene, isn't it? It is. It's brilliant. 
Uh, I think this is I think this is probably more a Moffat scene than a than a Gator scene. Do you reckon? Do you, I, I always want to know how much this showrunner yeah. added. Like, because you, you know, with Rusty Davis, he said he basically rewrote sort of a third to half of most of the scripts, didn't he? Yeah. But Moffat's just got that gift for dialogue, hasn't he? Matching. Oh, I, I, but I think Moffat maybe as well. Like, Rusty Davis, I can tell when it's kind of his dialogue. I think Moffat's got that sort of chameleonic effect of being able to write in the style of the episode. So it's not quite as jarring yeah. i think you can just give the characters things to say that you kind of remember mm. as well oh god i hate these endings these these oh it's, the, it's a trope I you know. can't have robin hood without maid marion but they do it so often what about forest on a night when it's like annabelle the thought of you came to me. Oh, oh God. we're not doing that. Not as egregious as that. It's really not that bad. It's not. It's you know, Marriage has been there under um, plain sight all along. See that fabulous last shot of I'm all in the forest. That's oh, great. Yeah. yeah, lovely. Oh, here we go. Is the trailer for Listen? This is a very good episode. This labyrinthine horror. It's all right. Oh, I think it's marvelous. It's well, just you prefer one... Robert Sherwood to listen? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you're straight. Absolutely. I think, because I, I remember, I mean, the, the whole reason, I know we talked about this off air, but the whole reason that I picked this episode is um, I did a Series 8 rewatch last year on the back of, uh, I think it was the Trap 1 podcast, where they reviewed the Steelbook, and I thought, oh, well, that's, you know, giving us a fresh perspective. So let's go back on this with fresh eyes, because very much like Sai, this is one that I've kind of struggled with in the past to to enjoy because of the darkness and because of the um the strong sort of adult themes and whatnot um throughout it so i went back and i gave it a rewatch and this one stuck out straight away as being um you know much better than i'd remembered it and much better than a lot of people have given it credit for in the past so then i went into listen and i think if i remember right i just thought listen was very uneven it was neither one thing nor another it was it's got some of the best most you know chilling scary scenes that has ever been in doctor who you know when things are under the bed and things are you know grabbing people's ankles and coming things up under that thing on the sheet with the sheet yeah exactly and the, the the noise outside the door at the end of the universe and whatnot is, is some of the most atmospheric stuff that's ever been put but then you've got all the stuff dotted around with which is like a rom-com between Clara and Danny, and it's just jars and doesn't work. It was a case. And then you've got the, the stuff at the end, which is all fan bait and law with, you know, back in the barn from Dave, the doctor, and it's like, pick a steer, just pick, pick what you wanted the episode to be. Did you want to scare us? Did you want to make us laugh and fall in love with Danny Pink? Did you want to tell us something about the doctor? Pick one of these and stick with it. Don't try and give us all three together. Because because he really wanted to write this and didn't he? Like because he was so fed up of doing finales and season openers, and he just wanted to write like a like a, a, a piece in its own right that plays to all of his strengths. I kind of think he succeeded. For me, it's one of the densest scripts since uh, Ghostlight. But yeah, I can see what you're saying. It is it is all over the place. But I kind of like that about it. I'd rather like it. <laughs> And it's also very, very well directed by Douglas McKinnon as well. Yes, it is. Oh, yes. yes. Who, where, we, where would we be if we all agreed on everything? Well, we, that's never going to happen, is it? Let's be honest. There's always one of us as the sentient voice. Um, and now, look, for Modern Undead, we did a stunning 12 positives and three negatives. Now, we ain't got to do that for Robot Sherwood because I don't think we're going to find 12 positives. But if we could just do a Just 12? Of at least one each. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we can start with Cy then, he's at the top. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am going to say it's better than I remembered, and that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm gonna. And say also, Robin was super hot. <laughs> uh, yes. He was. And. Um, <laughs> 
Sorry, guys, I actually made a promise at the beginning of this that I would not say anything that would uh, force me to give this an explicit tag, of which I think I may have succeeded. Um, oh, God, I really want to fuck him. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, God so damn it. Um, I would say the direction is absolutely stunning. Like, I, I don't know who directed this, but it is it is a pretty episode. Oh, right now. Um, yes, it was Paul Murphy. Paul Murphy. Paul Murphy, well done. Yeah, yeah. well done, Paul Murphy. You know, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Well done, give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Paul Murphy came back again, but... Um, well, he's, he's got no Wikipedia entry, so um, it's hard no. to tell. But... <laughs> to be honest with you, those, those Moffat directors and, and executive producers, they don't last long, do they? <laughs> they don't stick around. What about you, Fraser? Um, so are we just doing the one then? Yeah, yeah, just the one. Yeah. Um, right. So I could pick Tom Riley as Robin Hood because he's really good. I could pick Ben Miller as um the Sheriff of Nottingham because he's really good as well. Could pick Jenna Coleman because she's really good and she does very, very beautiful in this one as well. Um, but I'm going to pick the the writing of it because I really do think the writing is absolutely spot on with this that scene that I kept bringing you back to and laughing all the way through where well the two scenes actually where Robin and the Doctor and then with Clara as well are all in the, the jail cell is just um, it's just fantastically well written um, dialogue for those those characters um, so yeah that's my that's my top thing incredible well would you care to tell uh, everybody where we might be heading next because that's your fault as well <laughs> <laughs> oh oh hang on i'm getting a phone call what's that oh it's winston churchill winston churchill's on my tardis phone so we must need to go and answer his call so that can only mean one thing victory on of the daleks it's not oh, the yeah. start of the pandorica opens is it <laughs> oh i'm getting a phone call as well hang on oh it's the spectacularly racist horrid winston churchill that actually existed have you got the cuddly uncle on your phone call oh sorry <laughs> 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 well,